For more information about the podcast you are about to hear, visit genius-podcast.com. This dramatic podcast is intended for mature audiences and contains material that may be disturbing to some. Gentlemen, Sergeant Gregson. I appreciate you coming at such short notice. How are the injured? Doing very well, thank you. They were thrilled by the card sent by you and Mr. Holmes. A card? Yes. Really thoughtful. Yes, I'm glad they appreciated it. I'm sorry that this operation could not have yielded more fruit from your efforts. Well, we're on to Moriarty now, thanks to your leads. Indeed. Which is why I asked you both in today. These leads of yours, this uh, information you're putting together... You want me to disclose my source? Well... No. But... No. There is nothing negotiable about this. And I am very sorry if that is your sole rationale for asking us here today. I will do no such thing. Mr. Holmes. Feel free to consult myself and Dr. Watson if you have any further concerns. Sit down. Sit down, gentlemen. Your source... Yes? Your source... Would this happen to be her business card? I could call her in for questioning. She's on file. Inspector Barker had felt that she was immaterial to the arson case. But I'm starting to think somewhat differently, Mr. Holmes. What do you want from me? Nothing. Nothing would be accomplished by calling her here. Agreed. But two of my officers were injured in the operation. One needed surgery. So, in turn for not divulging your source, I think I can ask that you share any further information you receive concerning Moriarty or his whereabouts. We're going to catch him one way or the other. Do you get me? I understand. Good. Then let me share this interesting tidbit. Moriarty's payment? The attaché case. Funny money. What? A payment in counterfeit? When we brought the case back and opened it, a ten-pound note topped each stack of bills. Underneath that, all newsprint. Unless, of course, the second payment was only £120. A double cross? Yes, and one that Moriarty's unaware of. Pass that on to your source. Hmm. I shall. Thank you, Sergeant Gregson. I look forward to sharing information with you. Genius by Tracy Houston. Series One, Episode Seven. A Treatise on Electricity and Magnetism Daito Daisho Grill, London, 2005 Sorry, sir, uh, we're full tonight. Do you have a reservation? I'm meeting someone. Ah, there she is. Hey, Beanie. How did you know I was here? I've been all over looking for you. Glad to see you got out all right. All that drama must have given you an appetite. I escaped through a tunnel at the boiler room. Well, I was worried, you know, because that whole scene with Mr. Shang was all hellfire and damnation, wasn't it? All over the shop. Okay, Jim. Because, you know, the police were there and all that. 
a right clusterfuck, you know. Someone must have tipped them off, and we could have been killed. And I was in such a mad rush to get away that I forgot the payment, you know. Jim, I You told the police and everything! They were shooting! They could have killed me! You know I hate guns! Killed me just like that, Beanie, just like that! Shh! You tried to have me arrested at the Millennium Wheel, too! You were serious! I, I just don't believe you! Well, that's it. That's it. I'd stay, but I'll miss my flight. Flight to where? As if I'd tell you! I think after that colossal cock-up I need to shift to the continent. I'll give you a hint. I need to buy an exploding cuckoo clock made of chocolate stuffed with Edelweiss. Do go run to the police with that. Tell Sherlock Holmes. I don't care. Here. Fifty pounds? What for? Enjoy it. A last supper. The cack you eat, Beanie. It's disgusting. Baker Street. Are you going to tell her? I think Gregson expects... John, do you have that slip of paper? Sabine's mobile number? Yes, that. Yes. That you asked me to destroy? Yes. You told me to destroy it? Certainly. Did you? You wanted for me to extirpate it, I recall. And did you? Sherlock, you asked me to destroy it. Practically begged me. Are you trying to test my loyalty? Yes. John? Yes. I am testing your loyalty. Did you heed my request, or were you trying to be a chap, a chum, a brick, and hang on to a bird's number for a mate? What do you think? Answer me. Yes. Tore it into shreds, threw it in the tip bin behind the Indian takeaway. You did. As per your instructions. Good. Good man. Newton's Dismay Pub. Oxford. 1990s. You know, I don't think that you should constantly bait the tutor like you do. Bait? I'm not baiting. That bit on Laplace noise. I was disagreeing. He didn't bring up the problem of differential privacy as a condition on the release mechanism. That's very important. Okay, but, but forcing the study group to devote their time to red herrings? Wait a minute! Differential privacy is not a red herring. It is a valid argument. There are other types of noise mechanisms. He was talking about Laplace. So I can't mention Gaussian noise as an alternative? You are showing off. And you don't think that a universal utility maximizing privacy mechanism is possible? You're wasting time, Sabine. Some of us are here to learn. What? We're here to receive information, not question it. Wait a minute, how is that an education? Some of us didn't get here because Daddy paid for it. Some of us got here on merit alone. Aiden? Stop now. I've won awards! Beat I competitors! Fought to get here! I won awards too! Yeah, but you could just buy your spot- You're just pissed off that I know what I'm talking about! I'm running rings around you, aren't I? You can't keep up. Questioning the status quo makes you uncomfortable. It shakes up that little world to which you so desperately need to belong. Well, I'm not at Oxford to parrot principles by rote and to happily swallow the theoretical gruel that some washed-up has-been of a tutor spoon-feeds us. Nor am I here to listen to your sad-ass bollocksing about class. Sorry, that's not what my daddy paid for. Why? Okay. Most of the time I say nothing, but don't ever assume that I'm not thinking. Oh, um, hi sis. Are we interrupting? No. By all means, please interrupt. Aiden, this is my brother Jim and his friend Anthony. 
Hey, Sorry, just wanted a word. Beanie, Tony and I are going out for dinner at Livorno tonight. Want to come? Unless you have other plans? Uh, no. I'm free. But isn't Livorno rather posh? My treat, Beanie. I'm feeling flush. Might go dancing afterward, even. Okay, then. Okay? Yeah. Okay. See you tonight. Bye, Beanie. Bring your friend. Beanie? He calls you Beanie? Don't ever call me that. Ever. University College London. The Mensa Guide to Solving Sudoku. Hundreds of puzzles plus techniques to help you crack them all. I say, your friend is having you on. The equation is on the centre leaf. Aha! What can you tell me about the person who created the puzzle I gave you? Hmm. Hmm. He's fiendishly clever. Very creative uses of the math. Is there anything about this equation that would identify the person? Ah, an interesting question. Pure speculation, of course. Of course. And I'm never comfortable with speculation, you know. Interestingly enough, this fellow is... Ah? Look here. He's got some interesting forms. Uses of linear algebra, random variables. See, this denotes an uncountable set. This is a denumerable, which has F being the injective, and here is where I got stuck in an infinite loop the last time. Who uses this type of math? What sort of profession? Someone who works with probabilities. Your man is a statistician, perhaps? Financial forecaster? Possibly a very skilled actuarial mathematician. That could very well be. Information theorist, physicist, mathematician, cryptographer, computer programmer? Yes. Thank you. And, <laughs> and never play poker with him. He, he'll have had your chips before the night is through. Offices of Llewellyn Ross, London. Yes? Are you Aidan Raftery, executive designer, risk and exposure? That's me. I am Sherlock Holmes. How can I help you? I understand that you oversee the contractors and temporary hires. Oh, that's right. I'm looking for a woman named Sabine Moriarty. Does she work here? Ah, uh, yes. I'm an acquaintance of hers. Oh, you're the boyfriend, aren't you? In a manner of speaking. I would like to contact her. Well, I'm afraid I cannot give out any information pertaining to Llewellyn Ross employees, except to confirm that they are employed by us. I understand. Is there some way I can reach her? She hasn't left you any contact information? No. Well, I assume if she wished you to call her, she would have given you that data. True. Perhaps I could prevail upon you to give her a message? I suppose... What shall I say? That a Mr. Sherlock Holmes... Yes. And tell her that my door is always open. Use those words exactly. My door is always open. All right. I won't promise a response. That's fine. Those words exactly. Thank you very much, Mr. Raftery. No problem. Ristorante Livorno.
Oxford, 1990s. Dell'altro vino, sorella mia? I'll wait for the meal. Anthony? What hinders my performance? Are you crewing tomorrow? <coughs> uh, sure. Look, look, Tones, there's one. A sports coat? Yeah. Mm, don't think so. Okay, clock Mr. Button down over there. He's been making eyes all evening. In the stripes? Oh, God, yes, totally. Totally. Hello there. What are you on about? Trying to find corruptibles. Corruptibles? Even better, he's with his girlfriend. Oh, you've got to be joking. What are you going to corrupt? Shh! No, 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 Sabine. Don't look. You'll wreck it. Here, take my hand. Jim, what's going on? Shh! Look me in the eyes, Beanie. Now smile. Yes, it's all an act. Ah, yes, lovely. Perfect. There. Connection made. You're terrible. What are you doing, Jim? We're trying to pick Mr. Button down up. What? Shh. It's working. He's going to make a move. Look at me again. Oh, God, here he comes. Oops, my napkin. Here. You lost something. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Beanie. Please don't wait for me if the food comes. Give me a head start, Tones, and then come along. Is he going to? Oh, yes. This is one of Jim's games. He has a series of signals he communicates. Very subtle. Jim's a master. So why did Jim want to look like he was romantic with me? Thrill of the chase. Chase? Mr. Buttondown is with his girlfriend. Shh. Exactly. <sighs> Forgive me, Sabine. Don't wait for us to start. More wine, madam. Oh, why not? Randolph Avenue. Hi, Aiden. You're not answering your mobile? It's turned off. I had a visit from your boyfriend come looking for you. Boyfriend? A Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Ah. Where do you find these guys, Sabine? Why did you send him to me? He's probably carrying a gun. Although, he isn't quite what I had envisioned. I didn't send him to you. How did he know that you worked at Llewellyn Ross? He knew I was in charge of the contract hires. <laughs> I told him nothing. He must have worked that out himself. Very astute. You must have told him something. No. No, he worked it out. That's what he does. What does he do? He's an investigator. A private detective? You didn't tell him anything, did you? Of course not. You made sure you weren't followed. He didn't follow you here. What? No. He came this morning. I waited until quitting time and then I walked here. Why didn't you give him your address or mobile? Dangerous. Of course. What did he ask you? Well, I wouldn't give him any information. Was he upset? No. He seemed to think that was normal. But he had a message for you. He was very specific. And it is? He said to tell you that his door is always open. <sighs> All right. Interesting. Do you know what it means? He was very insistent on the word. I imagine he was. Well, all right then. Message delivered. Nothing I learn about you these days makes me worry any less, you know. 
I think you take your lifespan calculation too seriously. I know. Thank you, Aiden. Thanks for walking all this way. You do know the Bakerloo line is just up the street. It's all right. There's a truly fantastic kebab place between here and my flat. It makes it all worthwhile. Good night, Aiden. Good night, Sabine. Café Noir, London. Maybe I'll grab a coffee? I do not intend for this interaction to be anything other than ephemeral. So, no, then? Over here, chaps. And so it begins. So, Mr. Holmes, did you finally get to read the notes I left? Yes. I evaluated the post-mortem report as well. Excellent. And? Cause of death? Suicide. Lethal suspension by a ligature. What? That's impossible! Mr. Elliot, I think there is no point in my investigating this matter any further. Why not? Despite Ty's very deliberate suicide, you appear wholly focused on the contents of his suicide note. You seem to have some impression that he might mention you. You weren't, I'm afraid. But we were happy together! You discovered that Ty had multiple partners. You quarrelled. You couldn't bear the idea that this relationship, a huge commitment for you, such a massive change in your view of yourself, was for him nothing more than another dalliance in a string of meaningless short-term hookups. How can you know that? I attended his funeral. He was a man with many admirers. I'm sorry to report that you did not appear to be in an exclusive relationship. If that is the best you can learn about the matter, I am extremely disappointed in the incisiveness of your advertised powers of deduction. I know for certain that it was murder. The only murder that occurred was committed by you, Mr. Elliot. What? Enraged, you brought Ty's cat, Mr. Bartholomew, to your lovely condo and drugged him with the ketamine I saw in your medicine cupboard. Stupid, as it is an analgesic with no real sedative effects. How could you know? Your only interest in it was as a club drug. When that didn't take, you chased Mr. Bartholomew, hence the hair and the damage to the sofa, and then drowned him in your own bathtub. What? Not without a fight, as evidenced by ginger cat hairs in the shower drain and the almost heel but still visible scratches on your arms that you're trying to conceal by wearing long sleeves in August. Once dead, you transported Mr. Bartholomew's body back to Ty's flat for him to discover. That's preposterous! Yes, I imagine it must seem petty in retrospect. Tyrone Bussy Howell would have never drowned his cat. It was reported on the news that he had set aside £200,000 for the care and upkeep of my beloved cat, Mr Bartholomew. So unless Mr Bartholomew's estate wishes to contact me, I'm afraid that is the only murder that occurred. Ty killed himself over the cat? What inspires the human heart to action is one mystery I shall never solve. Good day, Mr Elliot. Sherlock, aren't you being a touch harsh? Wait, wait! Aha. You're right, Mr. Holmes. I haven't been completely... I haven't told you everything. I suspected as much. It's just... it's... it's impossible. I can't... I can't say anything about... Mr. Elliot, my colleague and I are busy men. Here is my card. You know my coordinates and are quite free to seek us out when you rediscover your capacity for speech. No! Wait! Please! 
It's not so simple. If I tell you anything, if I am discovered, I am a dead man. How is this? I had hoped that you would, when you read the note, that you'd find something, some clue about Yu Xuan. Tyrone Bussy Howell's suicide note. Who is Yu Xuan? Oh, God, they... Yu Xuan, they're, they're going to kill me. I've already said too much. If I'm even seen speaking with you, they'll kill me. Mr. Yu Xuan. The YECC. They killed... But he hanged him. I don't know how they did it. I don't know, but it's gone too far. Gotten out of hand. And they will come for me, too. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait uh, Mr. Elliot. You have to tell us more. No, no. I'm a dead man already. They're coming for me. They're going to finish the job. What job? The attack on the wheel. That was you, Xuan. That was me. What? I was supposed to be there. And you weren't. They were gassed, Mr. Holmes. Fumigated like rats. I couldn't. There was no way. I, I just... You had prior knowledge. It doesn't matter. I'm a dead man. I wasn't at the wheel, and they'll find me. Who are they? Is that you, Xuan? What is the YECC? Give us more to work with. I can't. I can't. They'll find me. But wait, Mr. Elliot. Is this to do with your condo? The hijacking? Should we follow? No. No. Let him go. I need to think. Gary Elliot is on the run. He has not been home in days, his clothes wrinkled, hair unwashed, half-finished sandwich in his pocket, pavement dust on his trousers, sleeping rough, no doubt. You will note, John, that we are on the other end of town from his condo. He does not want to be recognised. He says that he knew about the Millennium Wheel attack. Yes. That he was not a victim of the attack has compromised him. Now we must locate this Mr. Yushuan and the YECC. St. John Street, Oxford, 1990s. What time is it? Late. Very, very late. Or early. Very, very early. You left me at the restaurant all by myself. I paid for it all. They didn't make you pay, did they? No, but I didn't know that you weren't coming back. (laughs) We didn't either. Jim, you're terrible. (laughs) You're not better. You used me as an excuse. No, sorry. Really, Sabine, it was unspeakably rude. We had no idea that, that, well, (laughs) it would be quite so... What would you say, Tony? Enthralling. God, yes! Jim! But, Beanie, did you get a dessert? Tell me, Livorno's tiramisu is brilliant. I wasn't going to, but the waiter said that you'd already settled the bill. And more wine? Piu vino prego? Yes. <laughs> it was odd, Jim. Uncomfortable. I was there all by myself. I felt set up. You see, I told you she'd be upset. That's <sighs> awful. You're a monster, Jim. You're her brother. Well, it was all right. Kind of nice, in a way. Quiet. Sorry. Sorry, Sabine. I feel terrible. But, I have to say, bringing you along was a great help. How? Oh, Mr. Buttondown totally thought I was straight. He was ravenous, Beanie. I blush. (laughs) Oh, how I protested. I literally had to fight him off. I told him that my wife... (laughs) Your wife? 
Oh, so we're married now. Don't know why I said that. It worked, so I went with it. And of course, I begged him to preserve my virtue. You didn't. Why not? I don't think you could even say virtue with a straight face. Oh, he loved every minute of it, Beanie. He kept grunting something about don't tell your wife with every hip thrust. Oh, me, how could I resist? And of course, I've run back and now I'm telling my wife all about it. <laughs> I'm not your wife, Jim. You would if you could. <gasps> I would never marry you, you sick fuck. That's more than a little twisted, Jim. That's incest. I'm adopted tones. We're not related. It's true. But I bet you would. We could have babies. A whole sick, insane family. And we all know about sick, insane families, don't we? You're right. Who needs that? Besides, we wouldn't want poor Tony to get lonely, would we? That's right. Nobody loves me. Oh, oh poor dear Oh, give us a hug. Of course we love you. I love you. Come here, my big sexy man. Oh, you too. Oh, you sweet, pretty girl. <laughs> well, we'll let you get back to sleep. Sorry to wake you. I won't let you get back to sleep just yet, Tony. But Brainy Girl needs rest. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Are you safe coming here? For the moment. And your brother? Disappeared to the continent for a few days. The attaché case was full of counterfeit bills. What? I have several theories, some of which are disturbing. It is an old maxim of mine that when you have excluded the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And what have you formulated? The first, the simplest to believe, is that it was a double cross. Mr. Zhang short-changed him. But why pay the first instalment and not the second? Too much effort for a simple discount. My second theory is that Moriarty knew Zhang would attempt a swindle and wanted to place him in jeopardy as a form of punishment. But then, why would your brother risk exposing himself to the police? He could have contrived an equally convincing trap and not risk capture of him or you. Which brings me to my third postulation, and potentially the most unsettling. Yes? Your brother was testing you. <sighs> Moriarty wanted to see if you were in contact with me. Hmm. He came to you after the Millennium Wheel attack. I saw you with him. He threatened your safety, and within days, you arranged to meet with me to end our strange... association. Your math, more difficult this time, much more. You were conflicted, your equation erratic, precarious, circuitous, not the normally sophisticated equations that you typically devise. But this obligation did not sit well with you. And you threw caution to the wind, met me, and divulged the information with the full knowledge that I, in turn, would pass it on to Scotland Yard. Hmm. There's a jackknife embedded in your mantelpiece. You're trying to protect me from your brother. Possibly. I told you earlier that I am not moved by his threats. I do not require you to endanger yourself on my behalf. It doesn't matter. It's too late. It's gone too far now. I have on occasion found myself with the burdensome obligation of explaining why I must, 
of necessity, abstain from engaging with others, why I have no use for these softer passions. They would only introduce distracting elements that would cast doubt upon any rational cogitation. Uh. This is not easy for some to comprehend. It's often difficult to make people understand the importance of... Holding oneself apart. Restraint. But sometimes it is preferable to disengage. Yes. To abstain. Any entanglement would be... A fatal miscalculation. A perilous misstep. So you understand why I would normally insist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although the attraction... Yes, yes, certainly a magnetism. It would be reckless not to remark upon it. The electricity is palpable. It is only natural that there would exist a certain chemistry between similarly natured individuals. An intellectual affinity that could only generate an undeniable curiosity. Yes, a desire for a higher connection, a physical manifestation of the yearning to be completely understood. Elemental, inherent, instinctual, undeniable, irrefutable, incontrovertible, inescapable. Wait, let me unfasten this. Ah, Mary Magdalene, pray for us. What's this? Never mind. Your knees. Let it alone. Scars, lateral, hypertrophic, indentations. Don't think. No. Newton's Dismay Pub. Oxford. 1990s. Wait! No! I'm really sorry. Shut off. Oh. Hiya, Aiden. Oh, God. Was she with you? Uh, yeah. Are you all right? Were you... Was she... Yeah. So it didn't go well? Nope. You okay? Not really. Come in. I owe you a pint. Oh, I've had too many already. I think I should go castrate myself. Hey, Dan, come on. I'll get you a Perrier and I'll tell you what Isaac Newton had to say about women. (sighs) (coughs) That... that was... uh, Yes, most definitely. It was. I am at a loss... I enjoyed that. Thank you. But I've overstayed. But... I'll see myself out. But your knees. There were old wounds. Elongated successive scars. Would you like to hear what I tell other people? Of course. It changes, naturally, depending on the audience. I should be delighted. Of late, though, it has become fairly consistent. Grandfather Moriarty was a pilot, fought in the war, owned a twin-engine plane, liked to take me up to his estate in the Wicklow Mountains. You were right. 
It's his Longines watch I'm wearing. So, on one particular flight, we need to put down rough for some reason. Poor visibility, ill health, malfunctioning instruments, anything really. And my grandfather has to crash the plane. Usually into a desolate mountainside. It was a hard landing, of course, and his poor health couldn't stand the shock, so he most certainly didn't survive. But I was seated behind. There was a fire, and, well, my knees were against his seat up in front. Hence the scars. Correct. But the scars are from a grill. Correct. I embroider the details to become more horrific if need be. It keeps questions at bay. And no one ever remarks that they are grill marks from a standard kitchen cooker. Only you. And I assume you've already fathomed why. I have a theory. But with closer examination, I could probably tell you the make. A rangemaster or falcon, perhaps. I knew to be right. The plane crash story is much more horrific. Is it? Well, I like my version better. I'd best be off. I do not require that you leave. John will not return for quite some time. I think it best. Where are you going? Confession. Huh. So, fine. Tell me what Newton had to say about women. Hang on, let me find it. You didn't find it in that. Uh, that one body may act upon another at a distance through a vacuum without the mediation of anything else by and through which their action and force may be conveyed from one another is to me so great an absurdity that... I believe no man who has in philosophic matters a competent faculty of thinking could ever fall into it. He was talking about remote action and gravity. Not women. Thanks, though. Sabine, why am I such a langer? That's beyond me. I'm only at Oxford to study maths. Was she a girlfriend? Not anymore. What happened? I crossed the lane. Women hate me. No. They do, though. No. You hate me. Do you hate me, Sabine? Of course not. Would you sleep with me? There's a lot of room between sleeping with someone and not hating them. Ah. If that's the way you see the world, then yes, Aiden. Everybody does hate you. Thought so. I'm sorry, Sabine. I can't believe I asked you that. I'm a big tithead. What was wrong with her? Please tell me you didn't ask to sleep with her. No, I'm not an idiot. Then? I was explaining Zeno's paradox. So romantic. No wonder she wasn't trying to get with you. I, I called her stupid. She's studying history at Balliol. Oh. I can't help it. I like clever girls. I made you live it the other day. I'm sorry. That's fine. No, you don't need me taking the piss idea. Very true. What if I told you that I loved you? You don't. But... Time to go home, dear. I think that... Come along. Let's not stop that up now. Time to go. You are clever, though. Can you make it home? I'll walk you. I'm all right. I'm all right. Oops. Now. That's fine, young lady. I'll get Martin to take him in. Right, mate? Don't want to puke your guts out in front of a lady, do you? She's very clever. He's at the West Annex. Thanks very much. Try to cheer up, Aiden. You'll never be completely happy. 
It's Zeno's paradox. Baker Street. How is Mary? Sorry? Mary, your girlfriend. Or do you prefer significant other? Uh, either, really. What about her? How is she? Why? To provide a banal conversational platitude commonly used by people to feign interest in one another's business, I suppose. Except that you don't do that. Astute. I don't. So? A good theoretician enjoys testing his hypotheses. And your hypothesis is... I have a theory that correlates men's use of hair styling products to their relationship status. Before you had met Mary, you had a tub of Lynx Extra Strong Cream Hair Gel under the sink that had accrued several months' accumulation of dust. It had been cleaned off the week you first met up, and a significant quantity is used coincident with the times you arrived home late. In a few more weeks, as you settled into your relationship, you started using markedly less product in your hair, styling advice no doubt from Mary. And you arrived home Tuesday with a haircut better suited to the slightly bulbous shape of your head, a style that enables you to maintain without the need for Lynx hair gel. Ah. <laughs> yes. You went to a different barber. Not the one that gives you your usual military cut. And this morning, upon opening your wallet, you sighed and rummaged through your coat pockets for change. I suspect the cut was more expensive than you normally budget. Forty-five quid. Scandalous. Quite. And so, my theory allows me to determine that things between the two of you are moving to another stage. We have progressed from the too-much-gel stage, to the subtle amount of gel stage, to the better haircut stage. I suppose? Yes. We're quite serious about each other. It's going well. And so my theory is not destroyed. No. Right as usual. <clears throat> I would like to test my hypothesis as well. Your hypothesis? Yes, relating to your relationship with your nemesis's sister and certain prophylactic devices in my possession. Ah, yes. My hypothesis being that in spite of your protestations, you are still very much involved with each other. Based on condom use? And that I saw you both in a major snog after the firefight with Moriarty the other night. Your analysis is correct. I shouldn't have to tell you that this is a dangerous way to carry on. It would surely surprise you, John, that for the most part she feels the same way as you. There is no small danger. Well, she would be right. She's got you adult. You're erratic. And she's going to hurt you, Sherlock. She's using you. Thank you, John. Thank you for your insight, which I value as always. I'm serious. You don't know what you're getting into, getting us into. Thank you, John. This is exactly my point. Q-E-D, Sherlock. Q-E-D. Randolph Avenue. Services, do you need assistance? There's 
There's a man in my flat. Is there theft in progress? Are you in any danger? No. Yes? No, he's dead. Sorry, ma'am? There is a man hanged in my flat. He's quite dead, I think. Please send someone. Genius Series 1 is presented without advertising. Please consider a contribution at genius-podcast.com to help us recover the costs and produce a second series. Genius is written by Tracy Houston. The Genius Company of Players are Sarah Marchand as Sabine Moriarty and others, Mitchell Cohen as Jim Moriarty, Gary Elliott and others, James Loy as Sherlock Holmes and others. Amir Sama Nakjavani as John Watson, Anthony Bryce Jones, and others. James Malik as Gregson, Mr. Moriarty, Mycroft Holmes, and others. Calder Levine as Aidan Raftery, and others. Siobhan Galpin as the narrator, Mrs. Moriarty, and others. Matt Dawson and Natalie Darvison performed various voices. The series was produced, directed, and edited by Rob Langford, and recorded by Rob Langford and Natalie Darvison. Tracy Houston designed and edited the sound, and Virgil Rockford composed the original music. Sherlock's violin was played by Tony George. Visit us at genius-podcast.com.